0: Yeah, we just can't afford to lose four individuals. I'd say Johnny Gibson Park, probably Andrew Porter, and I would say probably Doris.
1: Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports App now.
0: OTB's The Hurling Pod with James Skettle and Paul Murphy. Paul Craven here in the National
1: People of Galway, we love you! I don't want to leave the people of Waterford home you know cuz they're my life you know people of Waterford are my life you know and I I I love, I love I love my county you know we and, love
0: Jamaland
1: It's almost like they're afraid to kind of mm. go and hurl and yeah. just let themselves express themselves they're, it's like as if they're nearly afraid to make a mistake and sometimes you have to make a mistake and just throw off that bit of nervousness and have a go
2: yeah it's pure constipated hurling.
0: You are very welcome along to episode one of season two of The Hurling Pod. We are back slightly later than planned, but... The more things change, the more they feel the same after the first weekend of the Hurling League. Limerick beaten on the opening weekend after a strong second-half comeback from Cork, who again have impressed early doors. Wayward shooting from Wexford in their defeat against Galway. Some spiky comments from Davy Fitz after the discussion that was kicked off last week about how valuable the National Leagues are. And to talk about all of this, I'm delighted to say, back again for Season 2, we got Paul Murphy and James Kell. That's how are you getting on. How you going, Neds?
2: Good. How's everything?
0: Uh, I think it's fair to say, Scale, we are back by popular demand. I was a little bit surprised by the messages that were coming through last week. Uh, this is largely my fault that we're back late. I was trying to move around my working week the last couple of weeks. I had every intention in a perfect world... Episode one of season two was going to be the week after the club hurling final. Then we'd have loads of time to kind of lay out a big league preview, and then this would have been episode three where we were looking back at the start of the league. Mm-hmm. But like everything, we're fashionably late coming back, despite <laughs> the fact that lots of people wanted us to come back.
2: And I know the reason we're fashionably late too. Just for one, it was difficulty in signing Murph up to season two. I got was in there before in you. There. I got in there before <laughs> you, so I said I'd do it. Yeah, because I knew it was coming. I would want
0: to eat. Were, were there counter-offers this year, Murph, to go and join the podcast late again, or what happened there?
1: No, no, no. My offers are uh, few and far between these <laughs> days. A few small football and <laughs> podcasts, but I think I'm just going to stick to the Hurlemans. A football. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and junior football and podcasts. That's what we're going to start off, yeah. That's what I was wondering. Are you still going to play junior football this year with you, uh,
1: Yeah, the plan is, at the moment, um, to go and do it again. really just enjoyed it last year, to be honest. There's no other major reason, like, you know, um, and I suppose... Yeah the lads were just Calling around there To see who was uh, Still going again this year As opposed to the older lads But um, yeah the intention Is to play this year And like we'll see Once we get back into training Now even with the club um, Just how the body feels Again like being realistic You know uh, Trying to keep both of them going But no yeah The plan is to Play again this year
0: And does the season work out or, or Roughly the same as last year Again where the Kilkenny championship stuff would be quite early And therefore you go off And play county afterwards Is it still shaping up That way this year?
1: Yeah, so we're, we're, the football kicked off uh, this weekend in Kilkenny, um, and that'll play off up until about April, I suppose. And uh, yeah, after that, like, I mean, again, it gives the management a chance to go around to a few games and maybe pick up a few new lads, see how lads are playing as well. So it's great. Yeah, it's great to get back playing the football now, and it's a great way to blow out the legs as well. There's a lot of cobwebs there after the winter. So, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of lads are using it as well just to get the get a bit of mileage back into the legs at the start of the year
0: and for you Skell, your involvement this year you're going to be back with the Galway Miners again are you
2: yeah correct yeah so I um more, more kind of a full-time role integration to the, the whole kind of management side of things whereas last year it was just uh, the goalkeeping coach you could I could dip in and out of sessions if you like so um, but we're in, the, we're in the midst of it now you know so it's it's nice and it's enjoyable too like it's 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 much different to playing obviously but it's, it's grand to try pass whatever bit of wisdom and knowledge you have onto, onto young guys and they're all like sponges they just they just soak it up you know what I mean so you're just hoping you give them the right message
0: yeah and you were in watching that and rise win in the Connor kind of schools of the weekend as well
2: yeah so they, they bet um, St. Rayfield's on, on on Saturday a uh, really good game actually Do you know just uh, it's, it's so I, I had forgotten like it's under 19 do you know, so some of the guys I was watching were playing for the Golden 20s last year. You know, some of the guys who were were there we had in the minors last year. So there's an awful lot of quality. And I suppose the Prez and Rayfields are the, the two I'd probably call them the dominant schools in Galway, where they, they have a big catchment area both. So there's a lot of clubs involved in both schools and they produce an awful lot of challenge, both of them. So um Prez nicked it in the end. In fairness, they they, they probably had the better side. So they're moving onwards heading towards uh, I think Rayfields are playing I think Rayfields are playing Cairns next. And then the Prez are waiting for who comes out of the other to sign the, the, the of Leinster yeah. yeah so it's a good championship
0: yeah I mean look obviously there's lots of arguments offley schools won the Leinster at the weekend beating Cairns College and it was effectively the offley minor team I would probably fight a lot of people off on Twitter during the weekend saying <laughs> this is a complete disgrace that they're allowed to play and look it's clear that Offley pulled a little bit of a stroke on this one because Colossian Eve Cormac and St Brendan's Community School who'd be uh, two of the main six schools that work providing players into that team, are playing the lower championships. Brendan's are gone through to the B final in the Leinster and may well be at A next year. But that opportunity was there. They were able to use their minor management from last year to manage this team. And effectively, I think 13 of the 15 starters were starters in the All-Ireland final uh, last year against Tipperary. So they went in, combined and tried to just maybe keep that team playing together for a little bit longer before some of them will graduate up to under 20 over the next couple of seasons. So they saw that opportunity and the three teams who got to the semi-finals along with Offaly Schools are all going to progress into the All-Ireland series and are still in contention for the Hearty Cup. So I don't know, to, to a certain extent when you see that Kieran's College are still drawing lads in, the lads in the panel from Waterford, Carlo, Leash, as well as Kilkenny, uh, you're starting to think that maybe it's not quite as imbalanced as it might look on paper, but let the arguments continue on that and the the final in in Munster for the Harty Cup. Uh, 7,000 people in there and Clonmel winning and you have a couple of crazy stories there over the last couple of seasons. And um, I don't know, I mean, the school hurling seems to have really ignited quite a bit of interest in the weekend uh, just gone by. So we'll keep an eye on that as we go through the season. But Mm -hmm. maybe we might kick off um, kind of for general talking points about the weekend just gone by with the two games on Saturday because, Murph, combined between Wexford Park and Porky Cueve, Best part of 30,000 people were there. 20,000 people were in at Porky Quive. Bit of excitement with the lights now in Wexford Park. And even though they had to start the game 15 minutes late, there was that bit of buzz about those two games. They're both on the TV as well. And we were treated to two games where there were big second half comebacks. Uh, We might start with Porky Quive because at halftime, the pundits had written Cork off entirely. They weren't doing enough. They weren't working hard enough. They upped that work rate in the second half, 40 tackles between tackles, blocks and hooks that led to turnovers in the second half, which was a big improvement. They scored two goals and Cork came back and beat Limerick in the end.
1: Yeah, and and like you're saying, it was really a game of two halves where first half you just couldn't see really where Cork were going to capitalise on anything. I mean... For me, a big thing that I saw with them was just the runners coming through the centre for Limerick. They just weren't being tracked back, which is really the forward's job for Cork to be tracking back the midfielders and cutting off these runs that are coming through. But in the second half, they were completely different. And, you know, probably typified by Patrick Horgan's block, you know, towards the end of the second half, where even the likes of him was back there. It was a completely different attitude, a complete shift from Cork. Um, And the stat speaks for itself in terms of the tackles, the hooks and the blocks. Uh, it's something, you know, over the years, we would probably have said about Park where um, when you give them the space and they're allowed to hurl that, you know, they'll they'll do great things. And they've all great hurlers and play a lovely style of hurling. But then there was maybe question marks over them over the last few years in terms of actually just getting into the nitty gritty of going toe to toe with a team. Like they did it last year in Welsh Park um, against Waterford when they really needed to do it. But in the second half against Limerick, I mean, to, not to out Limerick, but certainly, you know, go toe-to-toe with them is a serious thing to be able to do. And one thing that was noticeable about Cork is they're an extremely physical team. Like Notably throughout the pitch, um, they've really bulked up. And some of the players that they've introduced as well are really big men. And, you know, it's an important thing. It's not to be all and end all, but certainly important if you want to go and beat the likes of Limerick, Physicality is going to come into it, but really it was just no, the second half was excellent. It was completely different from the first half, but it was excellent. Um the scores were brilliant. You know, Kieran Joyce was probably the pick of the pick of the scores, mainly through the play that happened previous to it. But look again, Cork were running at Limerick. They were down, I think, about four minutes to go, three points down, and didn't give up. So there was a few things there that Pat Ryan would be looking at, going, you know, this is really good, and these are characteristics that maybe have been absent in Cork. Um, for a few years, and they've showed glimmers of it. But the thing is now is to, you know, I suppose put a string of performances together that show these characteristics
0: week on week. Yeah, it's all about backing up scale. But if you consider Limerick only got six points <laughs> in the second half, uh, Robbie O'Flynn was crucial obviously to the comeback before he went off. And it appears he's dislocated his ankle, he's two of more scans later this week. But lovely pinpoint finish for his goal, and he would a big hand in the second goal, too. And that got Cork right back into the game, and they kind of pushed on from that momentum. and. You know, as um, Murph just mentioned, there they made sure they were still in the fight towards the end of the game. They finished strongly, and Shane Kingston splits the points for that very late winning point. But mm-hmm. they, they'd have to be happy with the change that they were getting up front in the second half
2: there. I think so. Yeah, like I know just to go back to Murph's point for where he was saying about the runners. Like it's like Cork just they wanted to engage physically with Limerick and go into all the the, the huddles and rooks etc., and then forgot about the runners on the outside. And they played with a three-manful forward line for a lot of the, the, the whole first half, if you like. And if you notice in the second half, they, they split into like a, a line individually, if you notice. So one guy was inside in the parallelogram all the time. So that was, that's like, was predominantly Horgan, you could say. And then they were kind of a straight-line draw from 14 to 11. So they created an ocean of space, but also had numbers. And it just looked like, systematically, they weren't trying to match Limerick in every department like, like they have been in the past. They've always tried to match them physically, match them in the air. And Limerick are just too dominant in that area. So for them to kinda of come at a I suppose a different angle and then defeat Limerick would be extremely I suppose satisfying if you like for, for for Ryan's first game. And um huge crowd, huge like twenty thousand people for a league game is was unexpected, in my opinion. Um I don't think I ever played for twenty thousand in a league game. But so obviously there's there's you know, there's obviously there's always ambition in Cork, you know, and so there's a bit of positivity around the new management team and whatnot. And they have a million hurlers, so it's just a case of putting putting the right mix together. And Murphy is one hundred percent correct too on the the physicality side of things. They just looked really impressive physically. Look like not even their their tackling, I say, but just when you look to, look at them as specimens. They they have work done over the over the uh, over the winter, and they're they're putting to good use.
0: Yeah, like James, we've spoke so many times last year about puck out strategies, and sometimes they can be very complex. And Limerick are really good at mixing it up. One of the things I noticed just watching the first half at the weekend of Porky Cueve was that Limerick got a tremendous amount of change from just putting the ball down onto Hegarty. Like he won so much of their pockets. Yeah, and I
2: still, when you watch Limerick um, from behind the goals, if you like, and watch whether, usually Nicky Quaid, obviously, they they always come in the middle and then shoot out you know, to the wing where, where Hegarty and Kyle Hayes or these people get get so much change. And that, that happened again in the first half of the last day. And I just think Cork had to look at themselves and say, right, we need to block off all those gaps because like when Hegarty plays well, he's one of those players, you know, he's like, you know, he's like, I suppose, Conor Cooney, TJ, Hegarty. When them lads play well, their team usually, you know, comes out on the right side of of, of the matches. So if you can keep him quiet to a certain degree, you know, you go some of the way of, of getting on top of Limerick. So I think what they do is, is they got ahead of him uh, on the puck-off strategy in the second half, nullified his possessions. I think in the first half alone, he had 12 possessions, you know, which is a lot for one half you know like if you're if you're getting 15 possessions in a whole game you're, you're influencing the game so when you got, when you have a guy who's picking up the ball on his 21 you know or or the far 21 you know he's, he's I suppose he's a handful obviously but to nullify him was a big part of how Cork got on top of them and obviously the the a big thing as well is Declan Hannon like he's just a when I look at Declan Hannon I just think of beautiful simplicity that's all I think of him because he does just such the basic stuff excellently well and he's imperative to Limerick so when he like moved off, things begin to change as well. So getting on top of those two guys is not that simple. Uh, Hegarty, they did okay on him, if you like, before he got booed off. <laughs> so so I think, uh, no, all in all, Cork, Cork are content. Cork, uh, Cork did well. It's not that Ireland, I could be wrong. It's the first, first round of the league, but they, they have to be happy and, and content with, with the the energy and the fight, you know, the real fight and <clears throat> the smart tool to get around the in the second half.
0: Paul I think we're pretty convinced it was Hegarty getting booed as opposed to Keane Lynch because Marty Morrissey had his moment kind of lined up on the commentary because you could see there was a camera on Keane Lynch nearly all of the first half so at one point he was leaning up against the wall watching the game and then we saw him warming up and he was about to come on and Marty was ready for his moment which is here's Keane Lynch returning from injury (laughs) uh, for the first time in months and next thing there's a boo coming up from Lee side, but I think the boo was for Hegarty as opposed to for Keane Lynch here.
1: Yeah, uh, I think just Marty had a bit of tunnel vision. He was obviously distracted by Keane Lynch. Will he, will he or won't he come on? And didn't think that also there's actually a player coming off here. And potentially that's who uh, who the Cork fans were booing. Now, it was needless, but um, it actually just threw my memory back to when we played Tipperary in, in Northern Park in 2013. Henry was a late announcement to be on the panel that day and he was brought on. And Matthew Roots was actually taken off uh, in the same instant. But like Henry got a standing ovation coming on. Which Matty tweeted the following day, basically saying thanks a million for the great reception I received coming off the pitch. And, <laughs> no, he knew, he knew what he was at like. But I just I thought about it when I was watching the game. I was I was saying, is Marty reading this wrong here? I think it could be Gerrod Hagerty is actually who were boom, But it was needless. It was kind of a needless thing that I was surprised that you know nothing had really happened or anything. Um, to be booing any of the players coming off, or I think you know, it shouldn't be happening anyway. But, like, look, it was, it was a bit of a, a null point, but uh, yeah, Marty, Marty, a uh, little bit of tunnel vision there, and missed, missed who was actually <laughs> being
0: booed, I think. John Kiley didn't seem too disappointed after the game. I actually missed him getting interviewed on the Saturday because I think the footage ended, uh, Pretty soon, the coverage ended pretty soon after the game finished But I did see him uh, being interviewed on League Sunday And he didn't seem too concerned Thought they'd heard pretty well in the first half And like if you look at the pattern, you'd be thinking Limerick are getting lots of primary possession here They're trying plenty of players out With the team that was uh, named to start Reedy is popping over the freeze There's guys in reserve, you know you're going to get some game time into Lynch There were double scores up at half time You're probably thinking this is going pretty well And should be a fairly routine victory in the second half What went wrong for Limerick in the second half though, Paul?
1: um i like, uh, what i'd be thinking initially anyway is limerick are probably uh, four weeks into training um I, like again bring it back to the point about cork like Cork look physically really in a good place at the moment um and when it comes down to the final straight like you I mean you if think if you think back to wexford park last year when limerick um lost to Wexford, really the last 10 minutes came down to maybe just waning towards the end a few wrong decisions um cork just got the upper hand and still had that energy to i suppose for want of a better way to describe it you know bust through the line at the end you know they were still kept the tempo really high but very small margins you know Limerick could have came out of there with a win um it's absolutely no no panic uh panic situation now for for John Kiley um you go back to last year and you know they were losing games and the shot players were getting sent off and people were maybe wondering um is the wheels coming off the wagon like they lost by one point to a really good car performance uh, again, they're only back on the trend in trend four weeks. You know, Deirma Burns is still away. The likes of Sean Finn these lads, you know, they enjoyed their winter, they went travelling. So they're at a different stage to where Cork are at. Um, but, you know, I, I have no doubt over the next few weeks, you know, Limerick will, will get the wins. Um, I don't think they're too concerned. Again, it's a point that's been made about our team's really concerned with the league. Limerick definitely aren't. Other teams will have different uh, priorities and different agendas in the league, trying to blood new players, but... You know, Limerick will take a lot from that game, um, and they'll learn a lot. They got a good few players in, surrounded then also by the mainstays of the team. You know, like Sean Finn, Tom Morrissey Graig Hegarty they were all there. So, you know, they're they're going in the right direction, and a very small thing in that match would have would have had a victory for Limerick. So it's you know, it's small margins here really.
0: Yeah, another good game coming with Clare this coming weekend. Uh, Skell, on Limerick, Garrod Oog was in contact on uh, the questions coming in on the Instagram stories this week and off the ball. Uh, he says, are Limerick ahead of where they were this time last year and will they be peaking earlier than they did last season? Because we think back to the league last year, draw against Clare, beat off Lee were the only positive results they had in the league, but yet, when they came to Munster Championship by the time they went down to Porky Cueve, they were bang on it. They seemed to have peaked perfectly going into the season and again they retained their all-ireland title are limerick looking to peak earlier this year where do you expect limerick to find their peak
2: no i'd like for, for me like limerick have won three of the last all-irelands you know have they, they four and five years or something like that so like the league is with with respect is not overly relevant to them you know um i think it's about where john kelly where they're going as opposed to as opposed to where they're at you know because by my account limerick had give or take, nine starters, nine regulars, if you, want to, if you want to call that, not playing on Saturday, and the in a, a, a good performance, so it's not a top performance, by limit standards, obviously, but they, they, they bloated a lot of people, young lives, like, and, so you're bringing in, Adam English, and, you Cochran looks really good let's say so it's, it's, not, it's not as if they're they're going to be devastated by by a single loss at the start of the year I just think it's all about where they're going to you know time from a time perspective I think they know what they're at now at this stage they've proved it over the last five years that they you know they can time it relatively well and you know they'll they will obviously keep going with the same kind of situation where they'll, they'll probably have a totally different team next week you know Hegarty might play Lynch might start you know they could be bringing back him, lads and chopping, and changing, and then Kylie will, will try to build a squad, a, a real like a real top squad. Because at the end of the day, iron sharpens iron, and so the more com- the more competition he can breed into places, and like if he is the likes of, you know, the Tom Morrisseys or the the Darghulms or or, or you know these lads well, don't know, who's looking behind them and seeing God, these lads come from my places. That's when he's going to breed a, a better environment for Limerick. And you know, I, I, I say it again, iron sharpens iron. The more pushing that is done from behind, from number sixteen to thirty the better number 115 to go. I think that's ultimately what John Kelly and his management team are going to try to do. Yes, they want to win every game. Every every lad who goes out plays them games wants to win the game. Without a shadow of a doubt. But I think at the end of the year, if you ask them, do you want a league medal or do you want an Ireland? I think they know which are going pick.
0: Paul, when it comes to their attack, rumours certainly persist that Aaron Glan won't be back in until at least the end of the league. So they're going to have to find a system that works without him when he's been so crucial for the last five years for him and like we talked last year when championship started and galan really came to the fore and was so important that he was still so key to the system now the forwards who are coming back to fitness that will give them options in the inside forward line but this year they're probably going to have to do something different uh, it's not going to be galan leading the attack until at least later in the year
1: no it's not but um like james is saying you know it's it, it's an opportunity now for for another forward to step in and they have plenty of lads you know I suppose, jumping at the bit to try and get in uh, and grab a jersey. And you'd also have the effect of looking over your shoulder saying that, Okay, even if they do hurl well, you know, Galan coming back, like it's not going to be a simple case that he'll just walk into the team. But some players do have a head start because they've proven ability to perform in big games and what they bring to the field. And, you know, we talked about Galan. There was part of, part of the year last year where Galan was, we were talking about him for hurler of the year. So if those forwards, he can test quite a few forwards here. We'd like to Peter Casey as well to come back, which is huge. And he brings his own element to that forward line. And, um, you know, maybe something a little bit different than Aaron Gallan. He's your target man, he's your man that might pop up with a few goals. He's your your great free taker, which like when we get to Wexford, we'll be talking that they're looking to try and get someone like that. So for John Kiley, it's it's a good headache to have. Um I think he would like to have him for the league to actually, you know, blood him and if he, if he doesn't play until the end of the league, um it's an opportunity for someone else to step in. Knowing that he's going to come back, so you really have to perform well. So it's not a bad situation for John Kylie to be in, but I'd say he'd rather kind of, I suppose, have the option at the moment to maybe throw him in or out. And, and, and like James was saying, like the Road Hegarty mightn't play him next week, you play him this week, might not play him next week, and you know, see how it goes there. So it'll be interesting, but I don't think they have, um, they've no shortage of lads who are willing to step up there and maybe make a name for themselves. There's one or two spots going potentially in that full forward line.
0: Yeah, I'll give you this one uh, first, scale because you'll probably get to see Cork in person this coming weekend in Salt Hill, but uh, Brendan Omani in contact as well on the Instagram stories. Cork's chances this year, he asks, there's going to be a chance to put a lot of youngsters in the league. O'Mani, Downey, Harnady, Connolly, all still to come back in. They're building a bit of squad depth. What's your feeling about where Cork are at? And I'm always wary as well when we talk about this, scale that this time last year, we all felt the Cork were in a pretty good place at this point of the league and even right through to the final.
2: Yeah, I agree. So we like we got a couple of things wrong last year. Like I, at the end of the league, I thought Waterford well, we were going to be the number two team behind Limerick, and so we see how that panned out. But Cork, uh, Cork always have a chance. You know they always do because they have. Like if you're looking at what what um, ingredients you want in a successful team, like you have to have players. Like you have to have the quality there because you can. They can all train the same. I said this before. You, you do the same weights, you do the same nutrition, etc. But there is an element of quality that just separates everyone. That's that's Limerick at the minute. They just have the best players. But and so Cork have fundamentally they have an ocean of players as I said and when you get a, a right bit of mix and a bit of momentum a bit of confidence that's the big team of Cork if they get confidence and get a bit of momentum going they're extremely dangerous they could, there's no problem they can make a run to the Ireland final easily but it's, it's when they get knocked back that's, that's where I would always have the question marks you know? or if there's a system put in, in front of them whereby you know, they can't break it down on the day. If if there's a team over, overly physical, you know, if, if they're not allowed space for the forwards to roam or to, to move, you know, then the questions get asked to Cork. And they, they not every day they answer them pretty well. You know, they don't not, not they don't answer them pretty well, should I say, every day. So I think the potential is there. That's the key word I use is potential. You know, it's there. They have all the fundamentals. They have the ingredients in terms of players. And obviously a good manager who, who has, has his own experience in the 20s. Like, so he knows the players to bring in, if you like, and just getting a bit of a bit of momentum going. Like, I know it's the first round of the league, but it, it was important for Park to win that game and important for them to win winners in the fashion they did, you know, because it showed a bit of metal. I, I, I genuinely thought, hands up, I thought that they were going to get beaten by 10 or 15 at halftime. I just, I couldn't see a way back for them. And like, it was just chalk and cheese. It was like a different team. So whatever was said at halftime or system adjustments, that's what I was looking for. That's what you look for in championship games. Can they make them system adjustments and can they up the ante when they're in a bad spot? And they did, you know, so they have every chance.
0: Well, Paul, you shared those concerns last year very openly about Cork's mentality when the going got tough ultimately throughout various different stages of the year. Did you see anything in last weekend, and particularly in the second half, that might make you think, all right, maybe they're going to be a bit of a trickier proposition if they do end up in these adverse (coughs) moments during the season?
1: Yeah, and it was literally just the aggression in the second half. The, the, there was no fear in terms of going up against Limerick. And they, there was a little bit of bullying involved. Like, they were, you know, there was one stage Keane Lynch was tackled. There were two lads around him. They turned over the ball. They were getting in lads' faces. Like, you can't bluff that. That's either there or it's not there. And sometimes the manner in which Cork won over the last few years for me would have been okay, we're, we're jumping the gun here. Like, they won, yeah, they may have won by six or seven points in certain games. But you had to look at the opposition to say, did the opposition actually really put them under savage pressure or did they facilitate a Cork team who likes to run at you? They like to run in waves up the pitch. And when Cork do that, it looks very impressive. But it's when Cork don't have the ball at times over the last few years, you'd, you'd question, you know, were they willing to go and get stuck in? And, you know, going back to saying in Welsh Park last year, that was a game I was down at and... You know, we were fancying that basically this was, uh, you know, a formality. Waterford were going to go in, win very comfortably and and leave and their year was going to continue on and, and Cork were going to finish up. And Cork showed something that we hadn't seen from them. They just completely got stuck in. It was a different type of performance. But it again goes back to will they do it week on week? Now, I did really think in the second half what I saw was, well, they, they could do that because it's an attitude thing. If you're, if you're willing to get aggressive with the likes of Limerick and you're able to do it and you show potential that you can get physical, well, you can do that week on week. And I think if this Cork team does do that, when you name the players that do have to come back, that's ideal. Like, I mean, it's no good having all these players if they're all lovely players who just want to kind of, you know, tap the ball around and get nice scores. But if few have a panel of players there who are vicious enough in terms of getting stuck into games, if you're going on the road visiting Clare or playing Tipperary wherever, and you know you're bringing that with you, that's a that's a dangerous thing to have for a team, um, and a lot of the teams won't fancy it. So yeah, I did, I, I think it is, and I've I've been critical of, of Cork over the years. I think we all have really at times. But I did see in the second half that actually they do have something here, um, and it'll just be interesting to see over the next while whether will they show up and not bring it with them on days, because that's that's something that if I wouldn't even mind this Cork team if they if they didn't hurl too well on the days, but their regression was there and they were getting stuck in, but just things didn't work out for them fine. Because if you have that characteristic in a team, you'll do a lot and you'll go far with it. So, yeah, hopefully so. Because if Cork go really well, you know they make for an interesting Munster Championship. They make for an interesting team going into the All-Ireland Series as well. So hopefully they they continue that form and, and bring it ahead for the rest of the league.
0: Yeah, The other game in Division 1A that was on the TV on Saturday doubled up as the Walsh Cup final and we, Connor Whelan, walk away with the Walsh Cup afterwards and Galway picked up two league points to start off the campaign too. This one though was probably, I think, lost by Wexford in the first half and won by the really good scoring spell scale in the second half from Galway because Wexford 11-10 up early stages of the second half then Galway get 10 points in a row after that. But in many ways, for Wexford left the scores behind them was in that starting in kind of 15, 20 minutes of the game. They had 12 more shots than Galway, but only 39% of them were going between the posts. So with the wind, Wexford used the wind very poorly, while Galway made much better use of it in the second half.
2: In the first couple of minutes, like it was kind of all Wexford. I think Galway was trying to find their feet with, again, new clientele on the pitch, and Wexford had a 4 shots, But their execution is like, it's, it's an old issue. It's, you know, what we've seen with them... In league and in championship over the past couple of years, and when, when stats came out at halftime, there was I think there was 15 shots that they had missed uh, in the half, and that was just that was the tail of the game because when you go to the end of the game, I think Galway only had two more shots than Wexford, but the the efficiency rate like was far higher from Galway, obviously, and just Wexford. But even it's not even the, sh- the shooting you can say is is global, it's overall right, but the choice of shots, some of the shots that were taken was just ludicrous, and I, I understand. When you're down in Wexford Park in these places, you have a breeze behind you, so you could be tempted to take some long-range shots. But there were shots like on the sideline at the 21 that should should never be taken on. that should be recycled and there should be oncome runners. And then there's just some shots in that were just the most basic, simplistic, you you think point, guaranteed point, and just it's tail wide. And for from people like who normally would would put them away. So it's not as if Galway blew Wexford out of it. They just didn't. They did was far more clinical with the ball, far more finish, uh, efficient. And I think they just uh, they had a better squad on the day and finished strong. away, look fit, look look really strong. But I think for Wexford going forward, um, you can you can point to shooting. That's easy point to shooting. But like overall, their their, their game plan, their tackling like was 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 really poor. Like their tack- I couldn't get over the tackling because that's how they were keeping going in the game in the first half by giving away frees, you know. And it wasn't even you know questionable freeze. The frees were like just pure rugby style, you know, two hands in grabbing lads, blatant free all day long. And it just kept the scoreboard for Galway ticking over, even though Wexford had their proper patch for most of the half. So I just think if you're going away from that, that game, Wexford, yes, you can work on shooting drills, no problem. Um, but overall, the the, the tackling ratio and the way they tackled and the amount of frees they gave away is a bigger issue for Darry Egan.
0: Yeah, the frees are a big issue as well, Paul. You already alluded to it earlier. And Lee Chin was injured, so he missed the game on um, Saturday evening. I think he might well be back for next week or he's coming very close to returning. It's just a knock that he's picked up. He made a good impression off the bench and we played against Offaly in the Walsh Cup a few weeks ago but they're easing him back into the season and not taking any risks. Maybe he is the free-taking option but again, Shin has had a few shaky days on the freeze over the last couple of years as well. It looks like they need to get a settled free-taker because otherwise teams are going to know they can foul Wexford and the conversion rate from the freeze aren't going to be good enough.
1: Yeah, they need to just find this person that's fairly just robotic with the freeze and you know they're going to put them over. Like, looking at Kilkenny and Antrim over the weekend, like Conan Cunningham for Antrim, uh, it was nearly surprised at half-time. Kilkenny did all the hurling, but Antrim was still within touching distance of them. There was still a goal in it. And that was true consistent freeze, popping them over, you know, just any little opportunity, they they were taking it. When you look at Wexford, like, it could be just the downfall of their year. that Because it's very deflating for a team. When you're hitting wides... You might be working hard, they might turn over a ball and then a silly wide because, like James is saying there, someone takes a shot from a stupid position or a shot that, yeah, it's in a good position, should be scoring wide or then freeze. Like, you know, we saw a few examples of freeze there where lads we would have never seen stand over a ball, take free, were taking them um, and dropping short. Things like that, just criminal stuff, you know, and really it's just for, for Wexford, really, um, it's hard to build up any sort of head of steam when you're hitting wise like that. And then Galway hitting them for 10 points on the trot. Like that's criminal. We, we Like we talked about it last year. And um, we always talk about it with, with Limerick that they don't allow you to try and score three scores. Like they, they break that cycle. So they don't let you, your purple patch at best will be, you know, you might get three points or you might get a goal or something, but you know, for Wexford to not even see the ship and just stem the tide of Galway running at them, running at them and just pop the ball over the bar um, you know, things like that, just game management there. Like it it, it is wide, but it also steps into the game management side where you just, okay, lads, we need to reset here. One score steadies the ship a small bit. Um so it is a concern for them, and they need someone like you don't even look at other counties, the likes of you know, Kilkenny or Cork or Limick. You don't even think about it. They have their free taker and it's just a formality in many cases. Wexford needs to find that because they're they're losing a lot of not to say simple scores, but a lot of nail on scores for other teams. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's something they really need to work on. I think Chin will be on him when he comes back. Um, but look, I mean, even if Chin tightens up a small bit on it as well, like, he is a good free-taker, but just maybe not in the category of the likes of Patrick Horgan or these.
0: Yeah. Um, the other thing I was thinking about as well, Scal, when it comes to this game is that if it happened, in fact, the penalty gets missed, uh, Mark Fanning made a couple of decent saves, Galway hit the crossbar with one of the flick shots as well. On a different day... Galway could well have had 323 as opposed to 23 points here.
2: You're dead right. And I just have to pick up on what Murph said there about the 10 points in the trot. Um that's that's a concern too, because like it's not as if Wexford had a, a young young team out. They had Fanning, that Ryan, that Rick, they had Foley, they had Keith, you know, the McDonald's, they had big important players. So from a game management perspective, them lads should have just stopped the rot. They should just if they had to bring back the 15 lads behind the 45 just for five minutes, just to st- as, as Mark said, stem it, just stop it, and like that's that's concerning, you know. And, and you're right in the, the opportunities that arose, if you like, Jared Mannion had one; he could have, uh, if he he, could, he dropped it. Uh, Jason Flynn had one that could have been two goals. Liam Collins, he said on the crossbar penalty, you know. So like, I can go away from a, from a work on's perspective; they would be disappointed not to score a goal because they created a, a, a load of opportunities. And Wexford got one opportunity off, off memory, you know. Um, and it's like, it's just, I, I, I always think back, to be honest with I, I think back to the, the semi-final when Tip, I think it was 2019, uh, Tip played Wexford and was it, one of the Tip players got sent off. Was it McGrath, John McGrath got sent off?
1: Again, uh, John McGrath got sent off. Yeah, semi-final. John
2: McGrath, semi-final, John McGrath was sent off. And, and, and it was just like, so obviously Wexford had a numerical development but they just kept pumping the ball down route one, which was Ronan Matters day all day. You know what I mean? And that that that's a game manager situation. And like I know it's the league. Don't get me wrong. It's, hands up, it's the league. But like when you're when you're allowing a team, like it's criminal to allow ten points in a row, criminal. And like it's same with I was saying at halftime time Limerick game, criminal to allow five points in a row uh, from I you know, thirty to thirty seven. You, know, you can't you can't have that happen. And that that comes down. That's no that's not a manager. That's not the crowd. You know that's you, you guys on the pitch. center yourself right, pull everyone back for five minutes and stop the rod. So I that that would be disappointing, you know what I mean? Disappointing from, from my perspective. But uh, like you said, this could have been a 20-point victory for Galway. But just on the day, execution wasn't there.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure as well, Murph, whether the issue about the poor shooting comes down to Wexford not having the forwards to put the ball into or whether it's a case of just bad decision-making further out the field. Because... Throwback and Ernie ends up keeping Connor McDonald scoreless from play, and McDonald was frustrated any time that he got in around goal if he caught the ball because there were so many Galway defenders around to just kind of swamp him up. And you know, last year we talked about the fact that Rory O'Connor was having a great year, and they're probably going to be dependent on him again going into this season and trying to get ball into uh, Connor McDonald. But maybe the issue is partially down to the fact that they don't have the targets in there to actually send the ball into.
1: Yeah, they, they they probably don't. And the likes of, you know, um, you need to come up with a different game plan. If you're going to be trying to lump and balls down on which potentially be Doherty Burke or McInerney, like it's you just don't do that, you know. Um, and, and I think that was a lot of it. Uh, what, what Wexford's plan kind of was, whether they veered from it, or whether they had a plan, but they didn't seem to have as much of a coherent plan. Like even you look at Dublin at the weekend. Um, they knew how they wanted to target their full forward line. And they, once they got traction, you could see what they were trying to do. And it's like, yeah, that's very good. But Conor McDonald's a great ball winner in the air. Um, it's just that one day you might have a really good day plucking balls out of the sky, but you won't often string together a few good days of just lumping balls down and catching balls. So I wouldn't be relying on that too much. Um, so I think for Wexford, like they... they Traditionally, would have good structures over the last ten years or so, and know how they want to play, sit deep, and then go forward in waves. But just look again, like James was saying, it's one game. But there was hints to say, do we know what we're doing here? And going back to the game management point, um, like ten points on the trot for me would say that you completely just lost your shape. Like Darren Morrissey ran forward and scored a point at one stage. Like Galway had no um, had no similar problems in terms of finding scores. They had lads running forward, comfortable going forward, knew what they were about. So just at the moment with Wexford, it's early days um, and and nobody's panicking yet. But that is something like each, every team is going to be taking something from each game. Small things here and there that you're building on. But there's a few big ones there for Wexford to take. Like those wides, and it was every kind of a wide. It was, you know, silly decisions, ones you should be getting and they weren't getting. A little bit of confidence there, I think, you know, creeping in where lads were kind of, you know, snapping at shots and different things. But there's a few big-ticket t- big items that Wexford can take from that match the weekend, which you'd be saying, look, if we don't uh, address these now, we're just going to have a poor year because you're not going to get away against any of the top teams playing like this. And the scoreline says it all. And like we said, it could have been a lot worse for them. But look, we'll, we'll temper that with saying it's it's early days. Um, and Darryl Egan has shown, like, you know great styles in play and when he gets the extra team going but they they do need to find someone inside in that full forward line and the likes of Ocean Pepper in that you know he's a dangerous player and I think when they find like the likes of roll for him and Rory O'Connor when they come back I do think that they will up their game but um they need to introduce one or two more players that would really cause problems for teams in that forward line.
0: Yeah um James when it comes to Galway it's going to be probably a stiffer test against Cork this coming weekend but I would think there'd be some elements to be very happy with. It looks like Conor Whelan's carrying his form from last season into the start of this year. St. Thomas players weren't around, so they're going to be uh, coming back into the team to strengthen it as well. And at various times, I mean, you had Galway defenders going on jaunts up the pitch and scoring points during the game too. Like, I think if you were a Galway supporter, you're probably happy enough with the performance, particularly the second half of the weekend.
2: Yeah, I I thought myself now that they'd win the game at the weekend, Uh, obviously prior. I thought they'd win it by two or three. I didn't expect this marriage to victory. Um, and the system they're playing, let's say, where you where you find Darren Morrissey as Murph said going forward, like he who might I say was absolutely outstanding. You know, when you've got players of that ability. So if you remember the semi-final last year, Darren Morrissey coming out from cornerback, he's well able to take them on. So utilize his strengths, you know. So then you've got Darius Mackey in a fullback, picked on McDonald's. You know, he loves the high ball coming down all day long. You know what I mean? So whereas Wexford were centering their game plan nearly around one player, Galway had you know, an, an array of I suppose, angles they could, they could use. They, can come from, they were coming from the back. They could shoot from distance. They could get inside. You know, look, look at Brian Kincannon. What he did uh, he in the full forward in the second half, like he was like that number, that big soccer number nine I mean, He was so, just able to retain the ball, which is a key thing. So new players of quality that can just ball retention in at the full forward line. You'd always say, right, we need to get 30, 40, 50 balls into the full forward line. I would always say, what percentage of them balls are actually retained? what How, how good is, you know, your team at keeping the ball in the front forward line, executing uh, a score, Because you look at Galan, his retention rate is is sky high. It's huge. You put you put TJ in the front forward line, his retention rate is huge. And in the first half, let's say, well, probably our retention rate was a bit low was a bit low. So they bringing bring it in Brian, and you know, utilizing him, I think just like all we just going to be really satisfied with the performance. They blooded a couple of young lads that first leave and I didn't think they'd bring on. And they just seem to be looking physically in really good shape and in a good in a good spot. You know, and with guys to come back as you said. Like they've got Finton and Connor and Dave Burke and, you know, they've they've lads who can add, add, add more cotton money, etc. So, like, they, they're building a good squad. They have a good squad. I won't say they're building it. They have a good squad. They have a good 25, 30 guys that you, you could trust in a championship game, in my opinion. And I just think more of them together, getting the right game plan. I didn't mention just like we mentioned about Cork later on. And I think, you know, they, they can go places. I, I think, in my opinion, I know not early, <laughs> I look at them to be the, the biggest challenge in Limerick. The
0: other game in... Group 1A was played yesterday afternoon. Perhaps no great surprise that Clare came out reasonably comfortable winners against Westmead in the end. 4.27 to 14 points, in the final score. Um, Westmead will probably rue a goal chance that was missed by Niall O'Brien when the game was at 9 points to 5, coming up to nearly half an hour played. And then Mark Rogers pops in a couple of goals before half time, puts Clare in a very comfortable position, 2.10 to 7. And then Clare kind of just kicked on a bit in the second half. They were 2.19 to 9 points up when Ian Galvin puts in the third goal and then Shanahan gets the fourth goal to just sweep to a pretty comfortable victory for them in the end. They play Limerick this weekend, coming, and how important, Paul, is it for Clare now, uh, given that they were very, very close to Limerick last year, showed they could go toe-to-toe with them to try and get one over their rivals this weekend?
1: I don't think uh, the actual winning of the game is hugely important for Claire like I don't believe it's a a mental block for the Merrantom wondering um about this Limerick team and could they beat them uh, you know come to the Munster championship phase that's where they'll want to do it I think a performance here and I don't mean that in like you know that the, they just want to put put in a performance and go home and whatever it, it's more for Brian Loan at the moment you know, he's after reintroducing a few players that weren't there last year, like so, Aidan McCarthy and these lads. And you know, that's it's it's great to do that because it had a, obviously a great last year, all except for the semi final. Um, but you know, a performance against Limerick, um, and again, like you said, learning a bit more. Like you know, they did put up a big score in Westmead, but we saw last year, you know, Westmead can be very tough when you take him for granted, uh, and Claire didn't take for granted. That's even, you know, uh, even missing a few players. You know, they performed really well. They put up the score that was probably expected for a man and a few more, and they were able to get their goals as well. So I think Claire will be looking to this weekend to go, OK, um, we've introduced, reintroduced a few more players. We have a bit of competition, a small bit more of a depth into the panel, which is important. If you want to go the full way in Munster or even further again in the All-Ireland series, you need that depth in the panel. Um, so I think Brian Lone will be happy that... He has players coming back um, and that he'd be looking forward to the challenge going down to Limerick. But I don't think the result really, the, the, the result won't matter a whole lot. It's more the performance and what they can take away from that day. Because if they want to beat Limerick, it's it's monster championship is when they want to beat him. So I wouldn't be too concerned this weekend if, you know, they go and Limerick beat them by by five or six points or they might get a win. But either way, they're going to have to park it after that. It's just the, the, the learning outcomes from it will be the main thing for Brian Lawton.
0: Yeah, that's the 7pm thrown on Saturday. It's on RT2 with Gaelic Rounds Limerick against Clare. Just a few moments ago, Scale, you think that Galway are the closest to Limerick and possibly their closest contenders when it comes to the major silverware later this year. How far are Clare away from winning the All-Ireland Championship then?
2: Yeah, like, like the margin, I think if you were to pick, like I can pick five or six teams, Will, and I can separate them by 1%. You know, that's, that's how tight the margins are. So like you can, like Murph's opinion could be way different to mine because the margins are so, so small it's not that obvious you know what I mean so I think Claire, like, like Claire's been building like I, I, I would have said last year that I was looking forward to looking at them because I, I was impressed with Brian Lowen's first year I thought he was he was doing a lot of good stuff and that you'd expect him to move on you know and I did not expect that blowout if you like in the semi-final last year against Kilkini so I'm interested to see how they bounce back from that Did they introduce a couple of new players you know some key positions especially in the forwards and uh and how they treat the league, I don't think they're too I w- I won't use the words interested, but I think they're 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 more about finding themselves in the league, if you like, to, to make a run of the championship. It's all about the championship. So I think they're going to Limerick, they'll be always competitive, clear always competitive, because there'll be a big crowded there. And uh would they win the game? Don't know. Um, probably unlikely to be honest. And but it's all about finding who who have I got. That's what Brian Rowan said. Who have I got to to, to 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 make a push come, you know, May, June, etc. Because the way they went out of the championship last year was probably the most hurtful thing of all, considering that you know, they had built up a, a big head of steam against Limerick in the in the Manchester Championship. So, to answer your question, in a roundabout way, I think they're probably fourth, to be honest. Fourth, give or take. Yeah, I think, I think if I'm, we're way too ready doing a flipping power rankings now, what I'm going to do that anyways. I'm going to say that anyways. You've already, <laughs> you've, really. you bridged onto it. How did you manage? Yeah, you, you put me in the spot now. Now i big three, four, five. So, Limerick are number one, obviously, Galway are two. Um, I think. And heart, I think are, are, are three I think Clare are four you know what I mean and I just I don't know where I am with Tip I don't know where I am with Watford or Dublin Does you know what I mean or Cork just yet so that's kind of where I'll stop
0: Hold your fire on Tip for a second we can talk about some of their kind of new additions and changes under Liam Cal in a moment but I may as well throw that yeah. back over to you Murph he reckons Kilkenny are now third best Galway second best how are you uh, shaping up your top four or five there then <laughs> I
1: well, I, I just thinking he must play a savage value on the Welsh Cup that Galway are now after leapfrogging Kilkenny after getting to the all Ireland final last year and losing by two points to uh, to, to Limerick. But uh, no, like I, I think Kilkenny are in second um, and just basing it off, we haven't learned any more this year to really, like where we left it with the power rankings last year. We haven't learned anything after one weekend to say why that should change a whole lot. But I do agree with James. Like he's in, you, you can kind of pick your top four or five there. um. But after that, there's a lot of question marks then. um, You know, obviously Tipperary, Watford, Dublin. The likes of Dublin, you know, what shape would be on them. They look good after the weekend. You'd wonder with Watford, did they do a post-mortem on what happened last year? Uh, indications would be maybe they didn't because, um, you know, I did see an interview with Austin Gleason who kind of says that, Change of management allowed us to move on, so I I would say there's a question mark there. They definitely have the players, they have the panel, um, but maybe you know what happened last year, a little bit of a collapse, uh, so and then like the Tipperary then as well. You know it's interesting what's happening in Tipperary as well. So I think outside of the top five there, it's 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 hard to know. But I'd have uh, Clichy in second. I don't think the Welsh Cup victory can can knock them out of second for the moment scale.
2: <laughs> I respectfully Disagree. I thought, be, I thought it was being nice putting them in third. We're <laughs> we going to put it in first, or are you? <laughs> Well, sure. Tr- you was uh, okay. The last Ireland final by two points to Galway got beaten yeah. by a point to the by mm. So look, nothing, nothing separates them. You know, but I, I think, look, if we could turn around now and push, you know, clear second, and there could be good argument for it. Do you know what I mean? It's just that the margin is so tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah, so yeah. let's
2: just let's just hold fire on that one for the minute. <laughs>
0: Paul, on the Waterford point, I yeah. think this is quite interesting because I was speaking to Dan Shanahan a few months ago and he said genuinely it was very difficult uh, to put a finger on what went wrong between the league of last year. Stephen Bennett talked about it just ahead of the start of the National League a couple of weeks ago and he said that you can't say that Waterford were tired or they had put too much into the league because he was saying there wasn't evidence of that. But again, a bit like Ozzy Gleeson's comments uh, just before Christmas where he said, Do you know, what? we're just parking it and moving on. Is there not a case, and maybe this is just a public front that's coming out of Waterford here, that if you do have such disappointing performances, particularly I would say since you know the defeat to Limerick in the Championship and then it really fell off a cliff for them. Mm. If you want to go forward as a group, though, surely, and if this was you guys with Kilkenny, would you have sat down and actually had a proper look at, right, here's why it went wrong?
1: Yeah, you'd have to. Um, there would be some instances where you could make a very, like, let's say you, you went out and you hit a load of wides, and you went, okay, our decision-making there wasn't good. Obviously, we lost the match because of it. But like Dan Shanahan was saying, very hard to put your finger on what happened with Walford. And in that situation, you have to address it. You have to speak about it and say, what is it? Because for me, it just lies dormant in the back of your head then. And right, you might get ahead of steam up then in the league or the Munster Championship and things are going well. And then you suddenly have a few weeks off to a big game. And then do the, does it creep back in? Does the voice creep back in where there's a bit of doubt? Because you don't know what it was. You didn't address it. And suddenly you get destroyed by Limerick in the Munster final. Or, you know, after doing such great work. And like the example I would have thought of was in 2012. And, you know, when Galway bet us in the Leinster final, it completely blew us out of the water. The following evening, we went in and, you know, Brian said, we're, we're going to watch the first 20 minutes. Because Galway were exceptional in the first 20 minutes. And really the game was won and lost there. But he said, we're going to watch the first 20 minutes. We watched it and it was terrible watching. It. it was really painful stuff. But then decided just not to turn it off. We just watched the full 70 minutes. And there wasn't a word spoken. And it was horrible. Like, a part of me still feels like I'm sitting there watching it now. It was just terrible. But it allowed us to go back then, let's say, the Tuesday night and train. And there was a there was a kind of a thing where you were a little bit ashamed of your performance. Because it was, you know, you didn't front up to Galway. You, you They bullied us. And... But likewise, we didn't just click our fingers and it disappeared. You know, we went out, we played Limerick in the final, and we kind of failed to impress for the first half an hour, but then got to the grips with it and bet Limerick and then managed to put in a really good performance against Tipperary in the semifinal. But because we addressed it, because we actually looked at it and we went, that's not what we're about. You know, we don't do that. Going forward, at least, you know... You're dying your sword here. And at least if we meet Galway again, put it up to him and don't become this team that gets bullied. Watford would surely now, you know, be looking at this going like our year was in our hands to an extent. Cork were visiting us and and the wheels came off the wagon down in Welsh Park, which would be another sting in the tail for Watford. In that Cork, a team we would have been critical of, went and put it up to them, came out with a win and then suddenly uncertainty crept into the Watford camp. So I wonder, did they address it? Maybe they did. Maybe what Austin Leeson said was a bit of a throwaway comment that he just said we moved on. But well, I doubt, I don't know if they did, you know? No, and no. it'd be something I'd certainly be thinking that Davey Fitz either <laughs> should or not, you know, saying in his business, you know, should maybe address. Because like I said at the start, if you go into the season, all, you know, you, you could very well, Watford could go really well in this league. They could go into a round-robin phase then in Munster and go really well. And it could just happen again. And it's a waste of a year if it happens again for the sake of talking about it and saying, what was that, lads? What happened? Okay, we have our answers. Now let's move on.
0: It's interesting imagine by Brian Cody, by the way, um, because I've been in at inter-county panels before and seen the way that things are presented when it comes to a rewatch of a match from the weekend. And Jerry, the stats team have already put graphics in place and they'll stop the video in different sections and so on. By the sounds of it, that was almost like, you should be disappointed about this performance and I'm going to make you sit down and endure it. Mm. And the DVD was just clicked on and you had to watch the full 70.
1: And that was it, yeah. And like, you just hear tuts every so often. You could just see like, you know, Davey Burke coming, running through and like nobody coming tackling him and or a Kilkenny lad being isolated and suddenly get tackled. and you're looking at going and you look across and you're 15 yards away and not running in to get it, take a pass off him. All these things, you know, and it was small little things all over the pitch. And... Sometimes, you know, like, let's say, for example, people will talk about, you know, what happened last year, sit down and have a look at the matches and then look at the small little margins where maybe they weren't competing, where they were competing viciously at the start of the year. But then maybe they thought, oh, we have this figured out or whatever it was like, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but if they don't just sit down and have a look at the matches and it's painful to do it, but there's a healing process in it where you go, oh, yeah, I can see that. That's not what I'm about. And if I am about that, maybe I shouldn't be playing. So... These are things that they maybe have to look at and go, OK, it might be pretty to go back and look at going down and playing clear and getting absolutely hammered, but maybe it's necessary. So, yeah, like, I mean, a sports psychologist didn't come in with us that Monday evening. There wasn't very little talking done, I would say. Brian spoke before he put it on and he played it. But it was, as far as I'm concerned, the winning and losing of 2012 for us because
2: we I'm were sure. able to move on. Not to cut across here, but I bet you, just by watching that, it brought complete clarity to the situation, didn't it? Oh, complete clarity, complete. yeah, So yeah. The, the thing about Waterford is, you know, whether it's business or, or sport or whatever, like if there's an issue and the team or the workforce or whatever is not, it's not performing, it needs to be addressed, analysed, yeah. and a plan put in place to fix it. Because when, when you move forward from that, then it brings complete clarity. We know what the yeah. issue is now. Let's yeah. work towards it. So I'd be astounded if they didn't address it, either last year or, or, or if David Fist didn't address it coming in. Because... Yeah there is full potential for it to happen again if it's not addressed, you know? And yeah. so, worth back to your situation. He went in, probably not a word spoken, watched it, you could see what went on, and as he came out with the dressing room, came out with the, the meeting room, there was clarity on what he needed to do. Yeah. And signs on, you finished the year with Ireland, you know?
1: That's and it, and if Anthony rejuvenates you, because you just go, it gives you something to work towards, because you're like, I never want to put that performance in again. So now you're getting really yes. aggressive with it. You're like, that's not what we're about. <laughs> And when you're able to say that, that's huge. When you were able to identify something like that, like Wexford, we're talking about Wexford there, scratching their heads about this and that. Like you said there, James, clarity. When you have answers to those questions, well, now you can work towards it and now you can go into training and put in ferocious sessions because you know what you're trying to do. You're not aimlessly yeah. wondering, trying to figure out. Because Watford, the thing is, they have such really good players, like excellent players. And we saw them, Lurian Lads off the bench at the weekend, Desi Hutchinson, Austin Gleeson, that, you know, they could play so well purely through their skill, um, through having a strong panel, that all may appear apparent that everything's fine again, tr- truly because they just had such a good panel. But really, under the surface, they might. That's, that's what might catch them out if, if, it, if it wasn't addressed, is that their skill will make it look like, oh, yeah, we're back. Everything's fine. We've forgotten about it. But
0: maybe they haven't. So, it's, it, it, look, that'll be interesting to see. Do you reckon, James, that Davy Fitz would have come in and actually addressed that, or does he need to address it if they actually had those conversations since Liam has left? Like, uh, how does Davy Fitzgerald actually approach that coming in?
2: Well, if if I'm in his position, in a position of management, like I said, a manager, yes. If it's if it's if it's a work, you know, if it's wherever it is where you've got a group of individuals who are striving towards a goal, right? And if they fell off a cliff as as badly as they did last year, they're, they're, you need to identify it, discuss it, and and. and and try fix it. So for him, the first thing I'd be doing is going in and saying, right, pulling you know not necessarily everybody, but pulling seven or eight of your senior members, you know, the guys who have been there a while, and one or two different guys, and try to get a mix and feel of what went wrong, you know, and then try to put processes, uh, plans, and processes in to fix it. So I think that was would be one of the first things he did. Now we might admit that, nor with the Watford players, but I think it's fundamental to them going forward that you have to address the elephant in the room because if he doesn't and puts them under the rug, you know, a win here, a win there. Like, like Paul said, with skill, it just papers over the cracks. But ultimately, when the heat championship comes, those cracks will pop out again. You know. So, if I think for him, I'd say even when he was in the mix for getting the job, I, he was putting a plan in place on how to address this. You know, how initially to get in contact with the players. Whether this could be a phone call to each individual, he could just ring them and get a feel for themselves. Not, maybe not necessarily bringing them all in as a group. But I think that's definitely one of the first things he did. And if he didn't do it, I, I, I'd be very surprised because he. he being part of, a, of a, a team of his in the past, you know, he he is, despite his, his certain uh issues, you could say, he is extremely organised. You know, he always has the teeth crossed and the eyes daughter. So I, I'd be, as I said, I'd be amazed if he didn't rest it
0: early. Um, Paul, when it comes to Waterford, will Fitzgerald have been disappointed to both lose Pork Manny in the end to his retirement and for Stephen O'Keefe to decide not to come in? Because we've been talking so many times about how well O'Keefe has been playing and again, Outstanding for Ballygunner in the year just gone by, but he's decided he's given his time and to Ballygunner rather than this. I, I think he would have loved to have had Ball Park and Saki involved with Waterford this year.
1: Yeah, I think I think he would, and like you know, what manager wouldn't? Um, even from an experience point of view, but like Stephen Keefe is, you know, one of the best, if not the best of of his generation. Um, I saw on Murphy, you know, tweeting about it there after the Ballyhalidh Ballygunner match. Like he's an exceptional goalkeeper and. You know, has decided that he's going to, you know, uh, do his own thing and that he's he, he's put a pin in the whole Wex- or the Waterford thing. So um, of course, he'd love to have him. And even from a competition point of view, like you'd imagine he'd be number one goalkeeper, but having a few goalkeepers there in a go, it's it's great for competition. Park Manny, of course, like a fellow who's been in so many situations down, down through years for Waterford, so many big games, great player, great free taker, you know, it'd be, Again, another great thing for Davey to have going in. If Davey, if this was Davey's second or third year, I think he just, you know, accepts that these lads are moving on. But I think for his first year to have all options available, of course he would have wanted them. But um, look, I mean, he, he he has an extremely strong panel there. You know, he won't be stuck for people to fill the gaps with these lads. Um, yeah. But I think from an experience point of view, and just having those steady hands in the dressing room as well, of course he'd love to have the options of those two lads with him.
0: Yeah, James, when it comes to Waterford's first game, entertaining fair at Farfield yesterday, because in the end, they shared the points, Dublin and Waterford. Both teams can maybe feel slightly grieved that they didn't pick them all up, because Waterford had got themselves into such a strong position, 1-5 to no score up inside 16 minutes. You're wondering what's going on with Dublin at all that they haven't even threatened for scores, really, in that first quarter of the game. Then by half time, the game is back level, 2-7 to 1-10 two very good goals by Keno Sullivan. some excellent penalty taking uh, throughout the game on both sides. Waterford end up going down to 13 men because Bennett gets sent off for the slap and Fagan gets sent off for the drag down for the penalty. And in the end, it's Waterford having to empty the bench a little bit and bring on some of the key players like Leeson and Hutchinson. And maybe they'll feel like, despite the good positions they were in at different times during the game, that they actually rescued a draw against Dublin. So a lot to probably pick out with this game, James.
2: Yeah, I think Mihal and his management team would be quite happy uh, from a Dublin perspective. Because, like, I think if you rewind back even last year, or a couple of years ago, if that game, uh, you know, if, take the Dublin team last year, if that took off to a 1 5, 1 6, no score, you, you would fear for Dublin the the potential they could get hammered, you know. And so for them to fight back in the manner that they did is extremely impressive. Now, I will say, for, like Mihal's He's very much based on a he's he's kind of a never give up kind of style, you know what I mean? So I, I'd say he's drilled into the Dublin lads that you you fight to the bitter range regardless of what the, the score is. And I think that was evident. I think it was the seventy-seventh minute Dorn Burke got the last freeze it. Yeah and like very, they, they, out, yeah. they outscored from play, they outscored Watford to eleven to nine points, which again would be is, is good to be proud of as well. So it's not as if they, they depended on Dorn Burke for freeze, which they have done in the past, to be honest. So I think look looking at that game. And, like, Waterford is a tough place. It is a hard place to go. Like, I think, mm. I'd say I've played down to Waterford 10 times, probably won only once or twice, you know what I mean? So, it's a, it's a really difficult place to go. The crowd are always rapturous. Conditions are always a, a bit tricky and the pitch is tight, you know. So, it's it's kind of suited to, to, to Waterford to, uh, to get victories there. So, Dublin will be proud, first of all, of their effort. They came away at one point. It's better than, better than none, obviously. And I think Meef, he's something to build on now. He's a few a few people. And like the were the Sullivan goals, geez, they were like they were class. The first goal was extremely impressive. I know that everyone looks at the second goal and the goal, it was a great finish, but the first goal, like when he gives the hand pass and receives the hand pass and the touch, like that was very, very sharp and to finish it with a cool head. So I think he's trying to build a squad. He's obviously lost a couple of guys, a couple of big players from last year. Chris Crumley being the most the most noticed to one, and he's got guys to come back. So, you know, it's um it's 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 one step in a long journey for them, as I think, which I think they'll be happy that we do not Watford for it and come away with something.
0: Yeah, that's the thing for Dublin, Paul. I mean, it is the learning process for them, both in the pre-season competition now and to the league. They are going to have to probably inert some players, but there was a beauty to some of their directness when they put ball in behind the Waterford defence and got some you know, good scores out of it. And Scales just mentioned about the goals there, which were incredibly well taken. There was that feeling that maybe Dublin are going to be able to share the scores around a little bit better than last season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that was what I was most impressed with with Dublin was uh, they knew what they were about and they had a game plan uh, they knew how they wanted to target their full forward line They're like real basic things but brilliant when you're part of a team and you everybody over around the pitch knows how we're trying to target a full forward line you have a full forward line there that had a bit of development in them as well like they were going for goal they you know like you know Prunty's mistake let's say for the for the first goal you Keenan know, Sullivan gets it and suddenly so there was only one thing they saw a two on two we're going to go at it here and we're going to try and go for goal didn't panic and, you know, kept going till the opportunity arose where he, we're going to have a shot here now. Uh, his second goal is excellent as well. So, um, no, I really liked what Dublin were about. And like that, again, like, I mean, they don't have huge marquee names all over the pitch. They know what they have. Um, but it seems that Meath Dunne was putting a nice bit of shape onto them. And again, it's one game. But there was a lot of things you were looking at Dublin here going, OK, they 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 have ball winners here. They're, there seems to be a bit of aggression back in their game as well. Um they were one five down after ten minutes and you know, down to fourteen men, and you're kind of thinking, Oh, this isn't great. And they didn't panic, they just came into the game, started getting their scores, getting their goals. And yeah, like James was saying, not easy go to Waterford and Fratter have played in that myself as well. It's a it's a tight pitch. And to come away with a point, they'll certainly be happy with that anyway, because it's um it's a step in the right direction for them. But I think Dublin early indications with, with against Waterford was that you know, going forward in the league, it, they'll, they'll cause us problems. And I think they are going in the right direction. Uh, I think there is indications there, but I'll be interested to in watch them now over the next while to see, you know, can they build on this and can they maybe unearth a few more players to kind of, I suppose, w- worry a few teams for the latter end of the league and into the championship. Yeah.
0: and yeah, So, but, so but, it comes but, out of these games.
2: Sorry, go on, Scott. No, I was just going to ask more, like what's in, in your opinion, what's their, what's the successful season for Dublin look like?
0: Um, it's
1: a tough one now. Like, uh, Successful one for Dublin would be, I don't, I don't know. Like Clogherney and Galway are in a different place to them. But if Wexford continued to have the few problems, Dublin coming third in the round robin phase in in Leinster, where you know before the weekend we were kind of saying, okay, Wexford are in a much stronger position here now than Dublin. But again, look, it's one round, it's one game. You know, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. But I think if Dublin target the likes of you know playing Wexford and 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 get a victory, like that's. That'll be big now for Dublin. I think a successful year would be coming third. Um, I don't see them, you know, coming in the top two. But yeah, I think something around that and getting into the uh getting into the qualifiers then for the All Ireland would be that'll be a very successful yeah. year. And to build on that for me, Haldunhood would be big. Um, I don't think we're expecting Dublin to be, you know, uh setting the world of life. That's not to be insulting them, but I think they know what they have. And a successful year for them would be taking a few scalps off teams, maybe winning a game or two that they weren't expected to win. And I think that's that's kind of where they're at at the moment.
0: Yeah. Just before we come air, I had a quick listen to a rival podcast uh, with Dalos podcast and the Irish Examiner, because I was intrigued to see what his reaction was going to be after what's become a back and forth in a way now, because he had his column, which went up on... Friday night I think about the league medal being worth about the same as a spare two euro coin that you find at the moment and the point wasn't I think to necessarily devalue the league it was just because of the way that the championship structure comes in so soon after the league it's all about winning your provincial and about winning your All-Ireland and less so about league titles and last year maybe we got a few false impressions because of the league as well Um, You threw this in the group last night, Murph. These were the comments which were made by Davy Fitzgerald afterwards. and I'm going to quote him here. He said, I think you can see with myself and Michal today, and we've both won All-Ireland as managers. I don't think we're treating it that lightly outside there. I don't think any of the managers I saw over the weekend, be it John Kiley last night or Pat Ryan, were treating it lightly. We're trying hard. Are we going to expose more players than we would in the Championship? Yeah, but the games are competitive. I'm yet to see teams going out saying, ah, we'll just try out 20 players. Uh, We wanted to win that. They wanted to win that. Limerick and Cork, Limerick might have had their full squad out, but they were absolutely bursting to try and win that game last night, the same as Cork were. So that's fine. I suppose people have to write something. I'm not saying the be-all and end-all. There was one stupid comment I heard that's the same as a two-euro coin. You win a National League. I didn't win one. I'd love to have won one. It's not the same as an All-Ireland. It's not the same as a Munster. Probably coming after that, it isn't too bad, though. And I wouldn't devalue what the boys did last year, fair play to them. So someone making a comment like that is pretty stupid, especially probably that they never won one themselves. So I was obviously directed straight back at his teammate, or his former teammate, I should say, and Anthony Daly. Uh, Daly was very quick to kind of dismiss this. He expected it was going to be the start of the podcast today, and he basically kind of said, well, look, you know, I thought – myself and Davy Fitz were getting on fairly well with RT last year maybe that's not the case then and he kind of swiftly moved on and said look I made my comments and Davy has made mine James where do you stand on this debate about the importance of the league and has its importance been diluted by the way that the championship has been structured over the last few seasons
2: um, like Personally I I, like, I take great pride in the fact that I have a couple of league belts, you know, um, any competition you, you enter as, as an intercounty hurler, you want to win. So when you actually come out on top on a competition like that, it, it's 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 fabulous. When people say devalue devalued, there's a couple of different ways to look at this. People think the league is somewhat devalued because Limerick have been so dominant in the championship and not been dominant in the league. And we know that it's all about the championship. Okay, so the, so there's a certain there's like this mythical thing out there that oh yeah, we don't have to do teams don't have to go try and win the league because you see what happened in Waterford last year and what happened in Limerick and the contrasting differences in, in championship and league each other. So, I, I don't know, I, there's an there's argument made two and four, right? Personally speaking, the league is a fabulous com- competition. It's great to go down to, like, as a Limerick player, imagine going down to Kofarka, with 20,000 people there. Fabulous. You know, same with a like, guy down to Wexford. So, and every, every game you take as a hurler, you want to win it, regardless of, com- of competition. So, it's not as if, like, if you were, I don't know, Barry Murphy playing for Limerick there on Saturday, and you're you're looking around, going, geez, we haven't got you know Jim Burns today. He didn't give a shit about Jim Burns. All he cares about is himself and winning for Limerick, you know. And that that's the importance of the of the occasion at present. And I know things are it's a bit it looks a bit congested. There's a lot of games to come between now and and even in the championship. It's not that many uh, split weeks. But as a player, it's fabulous to have games on a on a, a recurring basis every week or two weeks or so. You know, he used to be driving nuts if you if you waiting four or five weeks for a championship game because you want to bring the ratio of training to games way down. You know what I mean? you want You want them to get nearly to parity, uh, which is I know not possible. But the more games you play as a hurler, the better. Because ultimately, that's what you, want, what you want to do. So I think the structures are fine. Everything's OK. Um, so just, no one, don't panic. <laughs> Let's keep going.
0: Paul, do you reckon there's an argument you made that the league means something different to different teams? Whereby, if you are a Limerick and you've had all this success and you know exactly how to structure your year, Therefore, you would understandably be looking at Provincial and All-Ireland Championship as your primary focus. But if you're a team who's maybe trying to build into it, and I know Michael Dyden was writing in the Daily Mail about this yesterday, that the league could be a fantastic springboard for Galway, for example, and an opportunity to get some silverware and then push on to it later in the year, that maybe it might just be a case of some teams are going to have different aspirations about what the league actually means to them.
1: Yeah, that's it. And if you have a team who... Um, hasn't won any silverware over the last few years. If you have a group of players that haven't, um, I suppose, broken that last ceiling to actually go and win a trophy, it's an ideal opportunity for them to go and do it. Because like the league makes for a great championship because teams are blooding players, they're they're sharpening their skills, they're, get, they're, they're getting their touch in all these things, they're getting their game plan. And that's what allowed us to have a good championship because... Teams are ready to rock when it comes to the championship. The only problem with the league at the moment, it is just how close it is to the championship. Like years ago when we would have played the league, it was six weeks off to the championship. And I always remember even saying like, let's say if you won the league, we'd be all saying to each other, geez, championship is only in six weeks. Like only, you know, where six weeks, a lot of people think that's a long time, but it's the perfect preparation time. So now, you know, where you could go whole hog for the league before and go and win it. I picked up a few injuries, they'd be fine by the time championship comes around. That's not the case. I think that's what teams are referencing at the moment. Limerick don't need to go and win the league. So they can just go... Uh, their their game plan or their year is planned solely for one match into the All-Ireland final and not peaking before then is their priority. But like you said, other teams, it's different. So other teams may come along and say, yeah, we want to win the league because you know, that would be a savage boost for our panel. It would show that we can go and test for metal and win and that it's not a mental block for us, all these different things. Um, But it's just the fact that it's so close to championship at the moment. It's not it's not a benign thing. The, the, the league is important and it do, there's a lot of good stuff happens in the league. It's just where it's positioned now at the moment it doesn't allow teams to go whole hog first, particularly the teams that have real intentions of going for the All-Ireland. They will not want to pick up injuries towards the latter end of the league because that could derail them in uh, their provincial championships then. So that's, you're fully right, Will. Like that, that's exactly it. Each team will have their own priority. Um, what I do think you will see teams towards the end of the league, the likes of Limerick and that, you know, Limerick can still put out a very strong team while holding lads in reserve, you know. So it's, each team will be trying to balance it as best they can. But if there's any doubt on any players coming down the final straight of the league, you, you won't see them playing because they're going to have to face into a savage round robin into you know provincial semi-finals, provincial finals if you're going well and you need them fresh. So that's the way teams will be looking at it. And I think if you look at the likes of Cork or Limerick or wherever, let's say Cork are going well in the end of the league and Patrick Corgan has a few niggles, you won't see him playing at the end and so be it if Cork don't win it. But it's just that the championship, you're judged on championship and that's it. So the unfortunate thing at the league at the moment is just how close it is to the championship. But I don't think it demeans it
0: yeah I, I think the aforementioned dale made a very good point on league sunday last night too where he said one of the biggest issues about having such a tight season is having semi-finals within the league as things stand then the way maybe if you took an extra little bit of that strain of games away and had just a straight final between the teams who top 1a and 1b that might also make it a bit easier for the preparation for extra teams and to your point about things maybe tailing off for sides towards the end i thought chris o'connor wrote quite well about this in the examiner this morning where he said It is one of those kind of curiosities of the Hurling League and maybe it was reflected with the big attendances that were there for weekend one which is start of the year everyone's intrigued to see how teams are going and these fixtures look really really tasty at the start and then maybe a fixture that might look good that's down for the last weekend naturally enough managers are thinking you know what we're only a couple of weeks away from the provincial championship starting which is effectively another league and so therefore we're gonna put our priority into that and maybe you could have teams who are in a position to be in a semi final quite early in either one A and one B as well, so an imperfect system. But uh, I think the league is still uh, has more has still has plenty of merit in it. Uh, the other games in one B, James, about Tipperary. I don't know, and again this brings me around to power ranking to a certain extent. But I'm not 100 percent sure where we put Tipperary going into this season because. I think Liam Cal has done some interesting things that we saw in the leash game at the weekend. So, Tip 1, 232 to 18 points in the end. It was the the Battle of Ballingarry, Willie Marr up against Liam Cal, two clubmates on the sidelines for either team. But a few different positional switches that Tipperary made could be maybe beneficial as the year goes on. So, Ford is on the bench, and we've been talking about Ford dependency for scores, yet they're able to share 14 scores throughout the team, which has to be a plus for them. Then you look at the fact that Breen has gone in to fill a gap at full-back. Ronamar goes to centre-half-back, which is a position that they've needed to fill, really, for a couple of years now. And then Mm you Bonamar coming back in to play at full-forward. And rather than being a scoring full-forward, he was there to be mischievous and to create chances for his teammates, which is what he did. To me, there's the signs of a good structure around that Tipperary team right now. There's plenty of talent across their panel. We know that Liam Cal is a good manager. Tipperary could shoot right up our power rankings here.
2: Yeah, I, 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 and I do expect them to. I, I said a while ago. I just didn't know where they're at, you know, because it's very hard to, to gauge a team who came off, I suppose, a season last year that they wouldn't have liked uh, to finish the way it did with a new manager. So you need to give give them a bit of time, a few games before we can actually assess them. You know, I think they've moved uh, this week. Is it clear this week? No, not yeah, clear.
0: Sorry. Did oh, this week?
2: Klikeni this week? Yeah. So that, that's a again, that brings out the dog in every Kenny and Chip Berry, man for some reason. <laughs> you know, so that'll be a good game that that'll be a test again you know but again it's exactly what Murph said um the league is there to see what they have I think Liam Cahill will use that um he'll use the league to blood new guys and you mentioned Jesse before I don't think he came on against leisure today I don't think he even played
0: no and if he did if he did come on I think it was very late in the game so they left Garold O'Connor to hit the freeze and yeah he put 11, he put 11 in between the posts so again we talk about free takers you know they've had to maybe just think towards the future a little bit here because it's probably not going to be Callan and them forward forever who are going to be hitting them. And then you've got a yeah. guy who comes in, plays well, scores 11 points. I say they shared the scores around very well on the team. This is a different type of test this week. But yeah. again, this is, I suppose, a case as well of Liam Callan knows an awful lot of these young lads who he's worked with before.
2: He has, yeah. And um, like, Tip have history. I I, I would, this, this would be a big point for me. I would always say like, when, you, when you're Tukini, Cork or Tipperary, if you're on a panel... Well, but then on that panel for let's say 10 or 11 years. Your aim your is like super shout to get in Ireland, and like that's that that never leaves them. So, so Tip will always have they'll always have a good team, a competitive team, good hurlers, and they have history behind them. So, I think Liam Cahill is he's he's a he's a good mix. You know I mean, he's a good guy to have in Charter Tip. He's a good persona. Like you can tell by the way he operates on sideline and the way he has his interviews that like he's got a bit about him. Does it there's I won't quite say it an aura, but he, he he commands respect, if you like, you know. And so, when you have a guy who has good structures like Liam Cahill. Obviously, has good good systems, game plans in, in place that like we've seen before, and you, it makes in some good hurdlers. you know. It'll be interesting to see where they go. Like I I'd like to see more blooding if you like. You know, Jake Morris, I, I he came on the last you know, as you said yourself, we are not gonna have Seamus Cannon, Bonner, Jason Ford, Norman Graff forever. So it'll be interesting to see who Liam Cahill bloods, because there's going to be a bolter or two that we 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 don't know if you like, that's gonna come out and, and, and be on the championship team. Um and maybe that's Brian O'Mara at the minute. You know, the UL, he was the World captain last year. Like, so they have hurlers. They have an abundance of hurlers. It's just to see what, what kind of way he, he moves his pieces around and say for the league to head into championship. But they're, they're dangerous. I personally wouldn't like, to, wouldn't like to meet them.
0: Yeah, I, I think Brian O'Mara's passport's been locked down for this year so that he can't get away. They would love to have had him last year. But um, what's your feeling about him coming to town to Kilkenny at the weekend, Paul? I mean, this is a, an interesting fixture early on in the league.
1: Yeah, it's interesting and I think Derek Ling will be really looking forward to it. Um, Like they hurled well at the weekend against Antrim. They seem to be moving the ball really well. Okay, as you'd expect, you know, there was a few falls here and there. But um, Tipperary are kind of an unknown quantity at the moment is what we're saying. So Derek will be hoping to go out, put in a really good performance, obviously come away with the win at home and the likes of Billy Drennan and these lads to, you know, Blanchfield at wing back and, you know, to, to, to have a good win against Tipperary in Nolan Park is a test in itself. Um, and then Liam Cal will have his own priorities, you know, as in he's putting shape on his own team, like the likes of Mickey Breen full back, for whatever reason he's there, it, it shows thought as to, he has plans, he has plans for each player and it's not, nothing's random here, you know, and that's what I always like about Liam Cal is that he looks at things a little bit differently and you get that impression from him, so I think it'll be a really good challenge and it's going to be, you know, I think it'll be a really good battle inside Nolan Park, Kilkenny and Tipperary, not to be saying it's it's different to other rivalries, but... Generally, you do get a really good match, a really good test. It's 70 minutes of hard hurling. Uh, and I think both teams want that at the moment. Both teams probably had a little bit of a, okay, I wouldn't say easier matches, but they'd like to be tested a little bit harder than what they were at the weekend, um, certainly for Tipperary anyway. But yeah, it'll be for a lot of the younger lads, certainly on display this Sunday, um, it'll be good test for them uh, coming up against their, their arch nemesis. But uh, I think we'll see a lot more from what Liam Cal has in store for Tipperary um, and try and make a bit more sense of it because, you know, he is making good moves there. Even, you know, uh, Kennedy to wing forward as well, which is a, an interesting move and he hurled well. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But um, I think Derek Ling will be really targeting it now for, for his lads to say, right, lads, this is another step up from Antrim here. Antrim, again, put it up to us at the weekend. But we're going to f- face stiffer challenges and... Tipperary at home is a great challenge so I think both sides will be looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, so okay, Kenny a couple of times in the Welsh Cup and I always got that feeling that it's going to be slightly different when the Ballyhale players come back in naturally but Drennan has been given his opportunity to be very much to the fore here. I remember watching him in the minor final in 2019 and even in a losing effort it was very clear this guy's a very promising hurler and now he's got that bit of a run when the boys have been away, but obviously Owen Cody's going to come back in. Adrian Mullen, I don't know how long the hamstring's going to keep him out for, but he'll be back. TJ Reid will be coming back in. They're probably going to take very prominent roles with Cody being captain now this year uh, within that forward line. But does Drennan have a place as we go through the league and the championship within the starting six up front?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think he's he really... Um... Said his stall out there at the weekend uh, He he was excellent um and excellent from the point of view that we were talking about other teams having ball winners that make the ball stick when it goes into full forward line you gave manny type of ball and it was just sticking he just seemed so cool so calm it's like he was there years you know you, you wouldn't if, if if no one told you any different you wouldn't have picked him out as a debutant in the league for click henny um a good few balls came in and like you know his man was on him sticking really tightly to him putting a lot of pressure and he was getting the hands to the ball, making it stick, and then looking to pop the ball off. I mean, his goal was brilliant. He um, ran through the middle, and straight away you knew he's going for goal. Took the shot from outside 21, but really clever. You know, bounced it into the ground, made it hard on the keeper. Um, and then just kept tipping away with the freeze as well. Again, like Corrigan Park, especially in the second half, the rain was terrible, and he just kept popping over the freeze, which was really important. And in from play, he was contributing from play as well. So I think he does. Um, they alluded to it on the Sunday game last night where they were just saying that it maybe is an element where if this is making the ball stick, he's another target man that will distract away from the likes of TJ you know, he brings another element, and like you said Adrian Mullen and Cody will come in they're they're all different players in their own way but I do think there's a place for Billy Drennan come Championship, if he ke- if he keeps tipping away with what he's doing, I mean there's there's no fear of him starting for Championship and again, that competition is brilliant that there's
0: more lads knocking on the door to get into this Kilkenny team and Paul, just on Kenny, have you noticed a difference in how they've been hurling under the new management compared to, say, Cody last year, even at this early stage, just having three or four games watched now?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd say different. Um, it's maybe just another step on. Um, like, obviously, Kikenny maybe took a little bit longer coming to the game in terms of working the ball through the lines and different things and certainly against Wexford last year, you know, all the talk afterwards was saying the long balls, is struck. but they've shown that obviously they are able to mix it but particularly at the weekend there was no panic. Um, Quite a, quite a common theme was actually spreading the ball laterally across the pitch. They'd get it at one side and from Ladsby closing in and one long ball straight across and really well picked out. You know, it wasn't just spraying a random ball. Their, their touch looked really well and, even when they got into crowded places, you know, where they're surrounded by antrimen, they were able to work the ball out. There was thought into what they were doing. There was always a supporting runner. Um, so you could see that definitely Derek knows what he's about. His, his management know what they're about. They look physically really in a good condition as well. So you can see that they are, they know, they know where they're going. And I was actually surprised to see how sharp they were at the weekend. And I was listening to, I was watching on GA go and, uh, the, the commentators were saying that Derek Ling wouldn't be happy with how the team were playing because they hit a few wides and different things but I think Derek Ling would have been happy with the weekend Corrigan Park is not an easy place to go and at any time where Antrim came within touch and distance they showed the maturity to keep them at arm's length turn the game into a two score game if if Antrim brought it back to two or three points Kilkenny reset and went okay get another two scores here back to four points and then just pushed on and one by eight, I think it was six in the end. So things like that, Derek, will be like, yeah, that's that's good. That's what we want to do. And we're hurling well, and we have people, you know, coming off the bench contributing. So there's lots of positives there. And um, so I think Derek will be happy.
0: Yeah, I think uh, probably the main story that came out of Division Two A the weekend was something that happened off the field, which was uh, somebody who was on the Meath PR team has now stepped away today on the back of it. They've made an apology to Down. Uh, tweet that was up about Offley's win away from home against Down in Division 2A yesterday. Uh, someone who was logged in with the Mead account called Ballycran a kip, which probably wasn't the uh, smartest move on their part. It's clear that they weren't speaking on Mead GA's part, but Understandably Down were very annoyed. It's an area where they try and promote hurling, and uh, they play games around various different venues within uh, Down as well as part of that, and uh, Ballycran's one of areas They make a real big effort for it, and they gave Offley a good run of it yesterday. Offley coming out by three-point winners in the end, 21 points to 18, the team relegated from Division One last year. And the other two games are very one-sided on Saturday. So uh, Kildare, who people are looking at as potential Dark Horses for promotion from 2A, defeating Carlo 25 points to 11 in the end. And Kerry got a comfortable victory to start away from home against Derry uh, by 22 points to 13. So that was the first weekend in Division 2A. Uh, Some of the other uh, questions and talking points that came in for us, lads. um, This one was directly to you, Skell, and you were called Mr. Skell by Derek Gavin 7. That might be the first time outside the court you've been called Mr. (laughs) Skell. But um, what are Mr. Skell's views on the Smart Slitter?
2: Um, that so just to get this right now, so I don't have this in a, in a pickle. So the smart slitter is just a standardized ball. It's not. It's it can be made by a whole host of manufacturers. That's why. Uh, I, yes, I, send that, I?
0: I had to I had to look this up to be hundred percent sure. I, I agree. I, yeah, the two manufacturers are Greenfields and O'Neill's yeah, currently, I, but more can come in as, as long, long as much. they meet as long as they meet the standard. So I remember we chatted about this a bit with the under twenties last year. So about it being the standardized slitter. So the mass has to be between 110 and 116 grams there are rules around the rim height and also the rim width and there's going to be a microchip inside the ball so it can be verified that both the ball has come from a manufacturer where it's been standardized and also that it is an official match ball so this is your new yellowy green ball which has a smart slitter mark on it it's got a microchip in it and this year is the first time it's been at senior level
2: yeah, I personally will I I don't mind it. I think it's 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 progressive. Like at least there's, there's again, we used the word a while ago clarity, because trust me, there has been ten different types of ball used in, in championship, either in club or like or county. We played a club game a couple of years ago. I, I'll never forget it because I picked the ball out of the net. Um we scored a point the far side, a semi-final, and the, the, their opposition goal we poked over the ball like before the ball had gone over the bear. And I remember that your man shot the ball past me at such a pace like that I, I barely even saw it. And I picked the ball it, with a net. It was like a sponge, if you like. Do you know what I mean? And I was saying at that time, something you don't know about these balls because they're just... There are such variants. You know, that's my reason. That's, that's why the ball went past me. <laughs> <laughs> there are such, there's, there's, there's such variants in it. Do you know what I mean? Like I understand we talk about distance and, and all that kind of stuff, but like, if we can get one universal set of standards, which, which is obviously the, the objective of the smash hitter. I the hyper-problem with that whatsoever. But I still have a problem with the colour.
0: Yeah, you, the you, color. you were telling me earlier you went off and bought a bag of white balls because they were on sale. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. Because all the balls were going white. So, so I saw an opportunity to get as many white, or all the balls are going yellow, should I say, this year. So I said, I'll buy as many white balls so the club were happy when I came back with a deal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you reckon Paul I mean obviously you're not as affected I'd say this is probably why this was directed at Skell was because there's always been the myth of the goalkeeper having a bag of balls and they'd have a winter ball maybe or something that they would throw out for a 65 or for a penalty at a vital stage during the game that's true um, I've I, 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 no doubt it's true I've heard a goalkeeper I think I've heard you talk about it last year and we're done with the 20s but probably didn't affect you as much Paul as it was affect Skell there and his his dark motives maybe with the, the bag of balls he brings with him
1: yeah, no, I like I mean it's it's I like it it's good. You know, it's good because all these kind of I suppose games um in terms of the, the mind games and different things that the lads play, maybe I I don't know, is that as prevalent at the moment? I remember we go back into the early two thousands and Don Logan then with the towel taking a free and stuff and a new ball to be brought in and all these different games are going on. But um yeah, like I think particularly the likes of I don't know how far it's going to be rolled out, but you know, certainly in club matches it's 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 rampant at times. I mean, the balls that are flying around in the pitch, like it might say a size five in them, but some of them are borderline size four and different things like this, like you know, and it's it's, uh, it's mayhem, it's mayhem at times, but at inter-county level, I don't know if it happens as much, but certainly. When you see some of the discussions and the talking points we have over the years and the fine margins that some things come down to, if at least you take that out of the equation that, you know, you know that the ball is, everything's above board, we don't need to talk about it and it's chipped, happy days. So, uh, look, it's a good introduction, but yeah, I have far less of an opinion than Mr. Scale.
0: Right. Last question of the day then goes to Mac 79 who I know is a regular viewer of the pod, listener to the pod last year. Welcome back, lads. Name your new players to watch out for in 2023. That's from Cahill McCarthy. I uh, don't mind which one he wants to go first in this, lads. Your players to watch. I'll let James, I'll double on all his suggestions then.
2: <laughs> no, I think, I think Murphy you're going you're to stick with Billy Drin, I'd imagine. Um, and I'm going to go with a lad he faced last year. So Liam Collins, now, there's an element of bias here, I, I will admit, he's my club mate. Mm. Um, but when Kilkenny played goal in the Trinity last year, Brennan got 17 points, 16 frees, and Liam got 12 points, six frees. So mm. he's he's a good talent as well. Um, he's he came on against Wexford at the weekend. Obviously, he could have had a goal that came off the crossbar. Um, and I just I I wonder how much he'll be used because he's quite young. He's he's a bit he's a fabulous prospect. We're very lucky to have him in our club, and I think he'll go on to 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 make a name for himself nationally.
0: Is it Drennan for you then, Murford? Is there someone else you know around the country that stands out? No, yeah, well, I think Billy uh, Billy Drennan
1: is the um, is the obvious choice. But like I even mentioned, the likes of O'Shea and Pepper earlier, like um, great player, like was obviously coming to the scene, I think, in his leaving search year and things. Um, but there's, you know, I think between the likes of them, Billy seems to be. I suppose if the platform isn't created with likes of O'Shea and Pepper for Wexford to go further in the championship, we may not see as much of them as as we'd like to see. But it looks like the likes of Billy Drennan will be kind of a revelation with Kilkenny. Um, so yeah, for picking one, he seems to be a good bet at the moment. I'd say he'll stick around for the year in terms of being consistently in this Kilkenny team. Um, and yeah, look, I mean, I saw him in the under-20 finals last year and we were talking about him here in the pod. He was he was excellent. That's not to heap too much praise on him either that you're you're, you're building him up too much. He just looks like a really good player um, and has so many skills at his disposal that it's it's exciting as a Kilkenny player uh, supporter to see a player like this coming through and with what else is to come back
0: so it's um,
1: yeah it's it, it, it's great to have a player like him on the scene
0: excellent well look excited to uh, keep track on both of them as we work through good weekend coming up between Galway against Cork Limerick and Clare and also Kilkenny against Tipperary so looking forward to episode 2 already lads have a good weekend
1: soon lads cheers folks